You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. Hey guys, this is Aiden from the Long May She Wing podcast. Now, Katie and Nathan asked me to give you guys a heads up that they use strong language on their show. Like a lot. And if that's not your jam, this might not be the show for you. But if you do like a decent amount of swearing and fun biographies on awesome women, then you'll love my show. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. Bye. Hi, this is Katie. And this is Nathan. And you're listening to Queen's Podcast, the show about badass women in history. Queen's, Queen's. I'm coming straight out to NYC. Oh, good afternoon, Nathan. Hello, Katie. Nathan, I am so excited for today's episode. I know, me too. And I'm so excited for the Patreon episode after this too. Me too. So Nathan, who are we talking about? Elizabeth of York! She was (laughs) Queen of England as the first Queen of the Tudor Dynasty. In her lifetime, she was daughter, sister, niece, and then wife to the King of England. Um, She's the daughter of Elizabeth Woodville and the mother of this dude named Henry VIII that... Maybe you've heard of him. Maybe you've heard of him. (laughs) Uh, Before we get started, though, let's do a couple of Patreon shoutouts. First... Shout out to Deborah, new Patreon member. And second, shout out to Catherine. Thank you to all our Patreon supporters at every level and anyone that listens to the show or follows follows us on social media. You guys are the best. All right, Nathan, tell us about this cocktail. So for today, I am making the rose day. Hey, sangria. Oh, <laughs> so what you're going to do is you're going to take an orange, two cups of strawberries and a half of a lemon, and you're going to chop those up and then put two tablespoons of sugar on that and let that sit for like, I let it sit for like a good hour. That's called macerating. Oh, on a, on a, on a good weekend. I like to macerate. <laughs> you got, you got to macerate at least, you know, a couple Once hours a each week. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> And then after I'm done macerating, <laughs> I pour a bottle of rosé in it and then Same. top it. <laughs> yeah, it's just like done. And then I put, uh, I think it was like a 24 ounce of club soda in that afterwards. And then you can optional, you can put a third of a cup of brandy or a Grand Marnier. I did not do that mm-hmm. in this wet recipe because we are recording and I like to make sure that we don't get too wasted because editing is a bitch whenever you're drunk yes 
So that's the drink, the rosé hey, sangria. Well, it is delicious and delightful. I also didn't put any extra liqueur or liquor in mine. Um, and it's, I like it just how it is. Um, refreshing. And it, it's very refreshing. If you're a Patreon supporter, you've seen Nathan's cute little videos he's been putting out for the cocktails. <laughs> so kitten to Elizabeth of York. Uh, she was born February 11th, 1466. So she's an Aquarius if you're keeping tabs on that. So that means she's progressive, original, independent, and a humanitarian, which I kind of think is pretty on brand with her. Yeah. They're also uh, charming and a little impulsive. So I, I agree that at least her public persona and what we see of her from her actions, I think all of that jives with Elizabeth's personality. For um, sure. Real briefly, if you haven't listened to our Elizabeth Woodville episode or Jaquetta of Luxembourg episode, it, that, that is her mother and grandmother. It might behoove you to go <laughs> and listen to that as a bit uh, for some bit, bit of context. But if you don't feel like it, we'll try to clue you in she was born into a time called the wars of the roses oh sorry that is like a that is a five-part episode if you really wanted to do it oh my god it is my favorite time period because it is the most soap opera of soap opera-y time periods and i i just love it there's the plantagenets Everybody's basically a Plantagenet. There's some fragile dick energy and some people get pissed off and break up into two different families. So you have the Yorks and the Lancasters. And the Yorks family symbol is the White Rose and the Lancaster symbol is the Red Rose. Mm -hmm. Hence the War of the Roses. Yes. So (laughs) they're both fighting for the throne, obviously. And since she's Elizabeth York, you can guess which side she's on she is the lancaster (laughs) shit i fucked it up clearly (laughs) elizabeth york famous lancasterian princess (laughs) so her dad is king at the time and he's a yorkist so when she hits the scene obviously the yorks are winning the wars of the roses and now you're kind of caught up yeah Kind of. Kind so of. she was the first child of King Edward IV and his queen, Elizabeth of Woodville. So if you haven't listened to Elizabeth Woodville episode, uh, this was a really controversial marriage. Mm-hmm. Like her mother was considered a commoner and to marry a king, uh, albeit in secret, <laughs> made Elizabeth yeah. Woodville very controversial. And on top of that, she was a Lancastrian supporter and she already had two kids. So it was like this whole fucking thing. They wanted Edward to marry a virgin princess. And instead, he marries marries this commoner (laughs) widow and everyone's like, what, what, what are you doing? They married for love. And uh, also they were both super sexy. And that's that's a reason enough to get married. I have to imagine that they must have been like the Brad and Angelina of their time. Just like no one no one outshone them on the the red carpet, not just because they were king and queen, but they were just like the two hottest people in the country, apparently. Yes. And then right after they get married, bam, Lizzie is born. Like yep. they wasted no fucking time. <laughs> well, they didn't have contraceptive so back was, then. So 
No, they didn't. <laughs> and they were just too, they were too hot to handle and couldn't keep their hands off each too other. Hot, um, <laughs> so she was born at Westminster Palace and christened at Westminster Abbey. So obviously her upbringing is bougie as fuck, y'all. <laughs> Edward IV, he was not a frugal guy. He mm. wanted his court to be the fanciest in the world. He wanted his his wife, his daughters, any women at his court to be dressed in the fanciest clothes. They had to have the fanciest food. They had to have the best art. And so they did. And Yeah, I, I think that was like Edward didn't want anyone to question that he was the king at that point because he he's so extravagant. He has all this wealth. So he's obviously the king. So I think I've that got, was his way of doing I've it. I've got the biggest court. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> well, a reason behind that. So he had overthrown his cousin. His cousin was Henry VI. And um, Henry VI was very mentally ill very very long story short edward comes in and takes over as king while henry the sixth is still alive like overthrows him so there might be some people in the country still that are like "Mm, do you have the right to be king and so basically he wanted to turn the fanciness up to 11 being like i can't hear you look how look how beautiful my court is (laughs) look Uh, at my dress yes absolutely being like i look at the fanciness don't think about if i should actually be king or not (laughs) yeah again this is like super oversimplification (laughs) like we literally could do like five episodes alone on the war of the roses i would love it or the richard the third i would too uh but we're gonna go back to elizabeth of york so let's discuss her upbringing um as Katie, you took the words out of her mouth. <laughs> so also her family, in terms of like royal families, her family is super tight knit. They're very, very close, um, wow. especially in terms of royal families. They didn't really have the same upbringing as everybody else. Well, they weren't quite as close. I to like compare them to Isabel Castile. You know how like, um, oh yeah, they That's all different. They yeah. didn't send any of their kids away. Elizabeth was still like sent to her own like properties to be raised but still in the grand scheme of things they were still a tight-knit family all things considered yes so she was sent off to her own residence and it was called the sheen palace which is now called the richmond palace and she was raised and educated there but her parents were pretty involved in that education and her schooling People have noted that her signature looks a lot like Elizabeth Woodville's signature, which kind of indicates that maybe Elizabeth Woodville taught her how to write or she learned how to write by like copying her, her mom's letters. So for a queen to be that involved in the schooling of just a daughter, quote unquote, just a daughter. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure, like, if she failed a test, she forged her mom's signature. <laughs> oh, I did that all the time. <laughs> so she also um, had a sister that was only 16 months younger than her. So her sister's name was Mary, and she was sent to that same residence to be raised. And they were sort of treated like twins, basically. Mm-hmm. 
which is like super cool for a chance for one of our queens to actually be raised with a sibling. Right. Not a lot of them get to do that. Yeah, like not married off at age seven and sent to a foreign land, like actually got to know her family. And I think this shows in her personality because we'll see it some in this episode and we'll see it in the second episode about her too. She is ride or die for Mm. her family, for her brothers and sisters and mom. She is, it's very, very important to her. Yeah. So let's talk education. Uh, She had a pretty good education for a girl at the time. Uh, She would have, you know, learned a couple of languages. Um, She probably was the best at Latin. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Like something I saw is that um, languages was her favorite subject. Everything I read about her education, it was just like she was so good at languages. Uh, Latin, definitely French. But I saw Spanish mentioned in every one of these. And I... I gotta call, I gotta, I gotta check her references on this one. Yeah, um, I'm gonna need you to provide uh, three professional references, Elizabeth of York, because when we did the Catherine of Aragon episode, we talk about kind of extensively, no one at the English court spoke Spanish. Mm-hmm. And so they had to, mm-hmm. they had to like write, they had to have a translator, speak French, write each other in Latin, but they didn't pronounce Latin the same way. So it didn't. Yeah. A, and she felt really insecure about it because she was Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. And Catherine and Elizabeth of York had a really good relationship and they wrote each other letters a lot and they were always in Latin. If Elizabeth of York spoke Spanish... Wouldn't have she just written their letters in Spanish? And if she did speak Spanish and didn't write letters in Spanish, shame on you. You're a bitch. <laughs> like, you let this poor little girl, like, suffer in silence. Which she's no, not. So. I, I, just, I, just think, I just think she lied on her resume. Yeah. So Elizabeth of York took Rosetta Stone. And <laughs> this is a Spanish edition. And anyway. so she may have known, on hey, peu. <laughs> a paquito <laughs> a paquito a paquito yeah <laughs> yeah that's um <laughs> anyway that was just like a little rabbit hole i went down whenever i kept reading that she spoke spanish i was like but did she <laughs> yeah either way she's like this absolutely perfect little princess yes very well mannered very very pretty so her parents obviously are like look at my beautiful daughter (laughs) isn't she the perfect little accessory to our bougie court yeah exactly so every royal event they brought her there so she grew up very seen and adored by everyone Mm -hmm. and she was just genuinely like a sweet person and just like the ideal princess should be yeah i agree she was like when you think disney princess as a child you're picturing Elizabeth of York, just very sweet, pretty, well-mannered. She had like a million sisters. <laughs> like the Ele- Woodvilles tend to do. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Those Woodvilles, babies on babies on babies on babies. And mm-hmm. yeah, she had a like a ton of sisters, siblings out the Wahoo. Um, she also had literally. two. Yes, literally. That's where they come from. <laughs> She also had two half-brothers, like we mentioned, uh, when her mother married the king, she had two sons from a previous marriage. Altogether, she has nine siblings. Most of them are sisters. So just like 
every fucking royal family, the moment that you stroll out of the womb, sashay away, <laughs> you get engaged. <laughs> so, I mean, you're just basically a bargaining chip as a female. So yeah. this family has lots of bargaining chips. Yes. Um, her, her first betrothal was at age three, count it, trois, uh, to her cousin, <laughs> George Neville, who was only eight. I, I mean, can't at least think they're of not. What that is in French. Uh, un, du, talk. I don't know. Uh, Except wheat. Wheat. <laughs> okay. Like, at least she wasn't engaged to some guy that was like already a grown ass man. At least it was somebody that was like kind of her age. Katie always looking at the silver lining in life. Right. <laughs> I mean, but, yeah, it was basically just to keep the peace. Mm. You know, and I, I don't really think that they ever really wanted her to marry George Neville because there were plenty of other guys that were some good catches out there. Right. Uh, the reason for this alliance. So, again, this calls back to another episode where we go into it a little bit more in depth. Her dad's right hand man was this dude named Richard Neville, a.k.a. the Earl of Warwick. AKA War Dick is what we call him. I think I think War Dick is the most appropriate name for yes, this asshole. Yes. yes. <laughs> and he was like really mad at Edward for just like some fragile dick energy reasons. It's the War of the Roses. It's the War of the Roses. There's Everybody's so mad at everybody. Everybody's yes. mad at everybody. And War Dick is mad. And War Dick didn't have any sons. So this George Neville guy was his heir as his nephew. And so by Edward betrothing Elizabeth to George Wardick's heir, it was like a saying like, look, no, no, don't have FOMO. Don't like, we're cool. We're cool. I, I still consider you part of my inner circle. Yeah. yeah. If, you have a, if you don't know anything about Wars of the Roses, this episode might be a little bit confusing with stuff like that. Yeah, go back, go back. Oh, Elizabeth Go Woodville back to Elizabeth episode. Woodville and then... Jaquetta of Luxembourg. <laughs> so Lizzie had a lot of trauma in her early life. Um, the first one we're going to get to now. So she's just shy of four years old and she's with her mother at, you know, some royal event and the king wasn't there. Tension with Wardick at this point had been rising to a boiling point and Edward was like, you know what? Just gonna hang back, put Wardick in his army in their place, and then I'll just come meet y'all up later, okay? Mm. But instead of Edward arriving, a messenger arrives and informs Mama Elizabeth that um, actually your husband Edward lost the battle and is being held prisoner. <laughs> and Wardick had your dad and brother beheaded. So, congratulations. They were beheaded, her dad and her brother were beheaded with no trial, which even back in medieval times was super not cash money, you know? Mm-hmm. And so Elizabeth Woodville loses her shit. As one would. <laughs> As is befitting of a human with emotions. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how close Lizzie would have been necessarily to her grandfather and uncle, but her mother was very, very much affected by this. So, I mean, even at a young age like that, seeing your mother go through that 
And then hearing that your father, who like in her eyes at this time is like a Christ-like figure. Yeah. Lost a battle. I mean, you have she has to be affected. She I mean, can't. we have we have no record of how she reacted because she was like a baby at this point. She was four. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. So she, she but we can assume that seeing her parents and I mean her mother devastated and learning of all this, she her little world shattered. I remember seeing my mother cry when I was a little mm-hmm. kid and just freaking out, like being like if a grown-up is this upset, it must be really bad. So, I mean, her fucking grandfather was beheaded. It had to be. <laughs> yeah, she had to be a little scared. I mean, I'm sure her parents, like, spared her the details of, like, the nitty-gritty of it so. all. But basically, they're like, uh, your uncle, you know, they, they went off to a nice farm to go play <laughs> with, <laughs> to play with all the chickens and ducks. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> So during this time of Edward's imprisonment, the queen and her daughters lay low as they should. I yeah. mean, you really, you really can't blame them for that. <laughs> right. I couldn't find exactly where they were during this time. My guess is going to be they were back at like the Woodville house, um, just laying low with everybody. And Wardick gives orders. He's like, leave, leave Elizabeth Woodville, leave her children alone. They're just a woman and a child and children like don't assault them or anything. But this whole thing was very short lived and Edward is released about a month later because Wardick had no plan. It was like, it was like step one, capture the King step two, dot, 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 dot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so eventually Edward comes back to court yeah. and Lizzie and the fam rush to meet him. And upon his arrival, he officially names his daughter, Lizzie, as his heir. This is huge. Yeah, like, obviously, plan A was to have a son or two, like, the heir and the spare. But Mm. officially naming his daughter as his heir apparent wasn't actually a given. No. So, like, at this point, his brother, George, was assumed to be the heir apparent. Mm -hmm. And to make a Lizzie the heir apparent that's a big fucking deal that's a really big deal to be like i it was like showing everybody because you know he had just been like kidnapped and blah 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 it was like showing everybody that no i'm putting my foot fucking down the this is my wife she's my actual wife and my kids by her are the like next in line could you imagine could you imagine uh if she was actually queen. I wish I could Ugh. live in a world where she would have been like, like she would have been actually the heir apparent and she actually became queen. Would she be Queen Pregnant. Elizabeth? The, would she be Queen Elizabeth the first? Yeah, she would have been Queen Elizabeth the first. So Queen Elizabeth the second now would be Queen Elizabeth the third? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I can do math. I can count. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> This also made her a BFD on the marriage market. Yeah. Because now, like, if the king died tomorrow and never had any sons, she's next in line, and whoever she marries is then king, because that's how things worked back then. Yeah. So everything goes back to normal as far as Lizzie's concerned. Um, Edward actually forgives Wardick, which is a really shows a lot about his character, because right? I may have kept- I may have killed the dude. Um, Especially if he beheaded your what? Your father-in-law. I know, right? 
Yeah. And, but I think this is where like Lizzie learns how important it is to like keep the peace. Don't you let know? your personal emotions get in the way of what's good for the country. Exactly. And yeah. things would never go back to normal, but sweet baby Lizzie, you know, you know, she has her family back and her dad loves her so much and he's named her heir. So this is all just like perfectly, I wish we could just end the episode here. And that's it. <laughs> and she lived happily but Goodbye, guys. <laughs> no more trauma. Bye. <laughs> but sadly, the next year, the shit hits the rose colored fan. Rose, take my shit. Keep, keep me from the trouble and pain. No, Rocky. No, sadly. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> <laughs> it is this whole thing, which we're going to skim over again, because otherwise it would be like a six-part episode of the Wars of the Roses. But <laughs> basically what you need to know is War Dick is back. And this time he has a plan. It's just not like kidnap king dot dot dot. Um, <laughs> it's kidnap king dot 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 overthrow king. Overthrow dot, king, dot, dot, put dot. new king in place, marry daughter <laughs> to new king. Like he had an actual like business model. It's September 1470. Lizzie is four. <laughs> she's still like a baby. <laughs> she's still a baby. So much trauma in her very young life that I hope she just didn't remember. Wardick moves in and he's got some powerful allies this time. And Edward goes to his family again and is like, look, guys, it's no big deal. But y'all should probably go to the Tower of London for protection while I handle this situation. So the very pregnant Elizabeth Woodville, seven months pregnant. Can you, can you say that one more time? Very pregnant. <laughs> Being pregnant and having to like ride a horse off to the Tower of London sounds like a pain. Awful. So, I mean, and, and you have to wonder like, besides being super pregnant Elizabeth Woodville doing this, how scary this might have been for someone like little Lizzie who's only like, or fucking she's four so also elizabeth woodville is seven months pregnant and with her she's got her three daughters the oldest which is four so (laughs) she's got like a four-year-old a two-year-old and a one-year-old and then she's seven months pregnant and she's like okay like running and taking shelter i don't imagine for anybody in this situation that it was anything less than a really hectic time. Yeah, it's like a really bad road trip with a bunch of infants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I just have to, I just imagine like, what do you do in that scenario as Elizabeth Woodville? You're just telling your kids like, look, it's fine. Daddy's going to be right back. Daddy's got this handled. Your dad's the king. He's going to take care of this. Chill, 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 my babies. Yeah. Well, a few days later, little Lizzie is like woken up in the middle of the night and finds out that Edward has lost the battle and has just run out of the country. And so you've got this very pregnant mother, three little babies, and they're like, okay, Let's GTFO. We gotta We're get out. the fuck like, out of here. Even the Tower of London isn't like a good place for us to hide. We need to like actually 
And the Tower of London was like this fortress of, you know, against enemy forces. So the fact that she was like, I don't feel safe here would have been really scary. Yeah. And then they go and they escape to Westminster Abbey, where they claim sanctuary. Um, Nathan, do you want to explain what sanctuary is real quick? Yeah. Okay. So... Back then, if you, like, committed a crime or you were on the run from the law or maybe you didn't commit a crime and they're accusing you of a crime and you're scared for your fucking life, uh, you would run off to a church and then go into the church and claim sanctuary. Think Quasimodo in The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Okay. Sanctuary! <laughs> so yes. you're, you're getting, like, protection from God. Right. God is your defense attorney. Yes. And so it's a big no-no to try to be the prosecutor against God, who's your defense attorney. Okay. So anybody that tried to arrest you in sanctuary was like really frowned upon at that point. Right. Um, All right. So let's picture this through little baby Lizzie's eyes real quick. How traumatic would this shit be? Mm Right. Escaping from like their palace in the middle of the night. And they, ha- they went from the Tower of London to Westminster Abbey in a boat. On a boat. Uh, they were on a boat. T-Pain <laughs> was not present. They had to be like super quiet because this is like in the middle of London. Like anybody yeah. could like look out and be like, is that the queen on a boat with her children? You know, can you imagine trying to keep all these little kids quiet also? on like this no, little video no, on your little escape no. boat i you know i already had problems with a one-year-old at christmas yeah. so yeah. F- three <laughs> no no you're right no, I'm done. <laughs> yes like that just sounds like a lot to deal with i mean we do know that her entire life elizabeth of york was always very obedient to her parents so maybe she was quiet but she's also got this like one-year-old sister who maybe doesn't understand what's happening. None of them. None of them know what's happening. <laughs> I just imagine that this is a lot for her to unpack at therapy later. Yeah, because I mean, imagine just like at four years old seeing like utter panic on your mother's face. Right. You know, like that's that can scar someone for life. For <laughs> life. So living in sanctuary was it cash money nathan not super cash money yeah yeah (laughs) you were living with like common criminals and maybe occasionally an innocent person here or there but um luckily for elizabeth the abbot of westminster thomas milling uh he took care of the royal family so he really took them under his wing westminster abbey like the people claiming sanctuary basically just like slept in the pews more or less but when they were there, the abbot, the abbot has a house like attached to like a lot of, I feel like that's pretty common still. A lot of times preachers of a church still have like a house attached to the church or something. Mm-hmm. And so he gave them a couple of rooms, as you would probably guess, <laughs> the house attached to Westminster Abbey was nice. <laughs> so they had a nice setup. Elizabeth Woodville had people bring them their clothes and their books and like stuff to write letters with. And they were still like able to send correspondence in and out. And they still were able to order like nice food and stuff like that. 
So while I still will say this is Elizabeth of York's major trauma number two in her life, things can and will get worse for sure. Yeah. <laughs> no trauma. No, 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 no trauma. I ain't I'm sorry. That's so- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was there from October 1st of 1470 until April 11th, 1471. So she would have celebrated her fifth birthday there. So I don't know if they actually celebrated amongst criminals. <laughs> but they were there for six months. That is... Well, I was going to be like, that's a long time to be locked up in one place. But here we are at like month 10 of quarantine. And I don't know. Yeah. So uh, (laughs) basically life in sanctuary is boring as hell. Yes. (laughs) Just like quarantine. Um, They they couldn't really like go outside and be kids. Mm -hmm. They had like a little fenced in courtyard. But I mean, that's nothing. There's like no other kids. There's no toys. There's just like imagine these three little girls living with no toys and no backyard it must have been dull af no they didn't even have nickelodeon you know (laughs) no disney channel like all you do is pray and read books and sit around waiting for somebody to come tell you your father is dead yay (laughs) Um, but one silver lining is that while there elizabeth woodville gives birth to a baby boy. Baby boy, you've been on my mind. Fulfill my regency. (laughs) That's all we need. So de facto Lizzie wouldn't technically be the heir apparent anymore. But you know what? Considering everything, I feel like that's at the bottom of her totem pole of worries. Yeah. (laughs) Like you're not heir anymore. Okay, can I go home? Can I go outside? (laughs) Because I mean, again, like being the heir, you have the potential in the War of the Roses to get your head lobbed off tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, Okay, cool. Or shadowing. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, So baby boy is named Edward because of course he is. And he's christened while in sanctuary, which is probably the like most low key christening of any of Edward the Fourth's children. All the rest of them were like this big to do, and oh, baby, ironic. and yeah, right, right, and baby boy just had to be kind of like quietly christened with like. Though I think Elizabeth of York did stand in as the godmother because. What other options were there? Yeah, right. There's no other options here yeah. on the table. Right. But praise baby Jeebus. Mm-hmm. Daddy ends up winning the ongoing battle in the War of the Roses. And he shows up. And the family's like, it's like this big happy reunion. And I'm pretty sure Elizabeth and him boned at that point. Elizabeth Woodville. Oh. <laughs> Thank you for the clarification. <laughs> yes. I didn't think I had to clarify it, but, (laughs) but luckily the next like 10 years of her life are very unimportant and uneventful. I mean, they're, they're important, but it's just not a lot's going on. Um, Her life is pretty much normal at this point. Well, I mean, I I don't know that we're ever going to say her life goes back to normal. No, but it's more or less normal. Also, she like becomes the, Dauphine of France, so she's in, or she's engaged to the Dauphin of France. Dauphin, Sorry. fucking French people. It's just it's basically the prince. Just call him a fucking prince. Yeah. Um. But so she's like engaged to the prince. It was a really good match for Lizzie, 
would eventually make her the the queen of France. So, I mean, basically a win-win. It, but it would have been a really good match. The French court was like top of the top of fanciness. From then on, Lizzie's education and like everything surrounding her upbringing would have been geared towards you're going to be queen of France. So, we need your French to be spoken flawlessly. We need your gowns to be the most gorgeous gowns in all of the land. You must learn how to dance and play music and sashay away. <laughs> yes. Like after that, she would have, like her just entire life would have revolved around you're going to be queen of France one day. And I really do think that she ate it up she was like obsessed with this purpose. And so she really fell in and she learned all these things perfectly and was jazz. She was like, my parents want me to have this future. I need to make them proud. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she had a dosera. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so a Spanish ambassador who visited her during childhood said that Elizabeth had all the great qualities of her father. So that's really good. She, right. you know, she just had that like knack of just naturally putting people at ease and, you know, made conversation with her really easy and she's yeah. like personable and likable. Yeah, she was also unusually tall for a girl at the time, which is cool. She's one of our models. Her dad was (laughs) 6'4", back when, like, the average height for a man was, like, 5'8". Yeah, and she was really pretty, too. So Mm -hmm. she, again, has all of these qualities to be the perfect princess. She's got the stereotypical, like, English rose features, Mm-hmm. Light skin, light eyes, tall. Her hair was like somewhere between like blonde and strawberry blonde. So she also loved to read as well. So her dad made sure that she had a full library, which, oh my God, yes, queen. Um, right. She was basically Belle. Yeah, she was. And this was a time where like kings weren't actually interested in their daughters and educating them. And Edward IV seemed to really like Lizzie, you know? Yeah, that's sweet. But at the end of the day, I think that Lizzie felt loved. Yeah, agreed. I think she was like, oh my God, my dad loves me so much and yay. Yeah, so long story short, her engagement to the Dauphin, it fell through after like five years. King of France and the King in England, speaking of dick measuring contests, they kept trying to like one up each other in this like marriage contract. So basically they're just waving their four inch penises around claiming that they're six inches. And eventually it all just peters out. The King of France at the time, Louis XI, he was actually known as the universal spider, mm. and which doesn't sound super flattering. It's because he was always weaving webs, like always starting shit. Always, like, making alliances with somebody's enemy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, unsurprisingly, it turns out he had other marriages, alliances going on for his son. Once Edward caught wind of it, he was just like, we don't need him. We'll find you someone better and, like, cut ties. 
Yeah, they and they did need him. So yeah, there was nothing really to note for Lizzie's life in in those few years. I mean, there was drama because uh, where are the roses? The roses. Yep. <laughs> and that's all its own soap opera. Um, and you know, her father had one of his own brothers executed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe by drowning him in a tub of wine. Mm-hmm, that whole mm-hmm. thing. You know, <laughs> whole family. normal family squabbles. <laughs> It could be considered, you know, another one of those trauma. No, 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 no trauma. That was trauma in her young life. But we really don't know how well informed she would have been about this at the time. So I mean, she would have had to been completely sheltered to not know that her uncle was being executed by her father. So but I don't know. I don't I I decay. So it's so it's Christmas. (laughs) It's Christmas. 1482. And her and her family are simply having a wonderful, a wonderful Christmas, Christmas <laughs> time. <laughs> and it's all, honestly, isn't this like one of the last times that they would actually have? It is the last time that the entire York Woodville clan is together. Edward, the Prince of Wales, you know, Edward had been sent off to Wales to be raised he he came in for christmas we've skipped over a little bit and elizabeth woodville has had lots of other children including another son named richard richard had been like raised at court with like the younger sisters so a lot less responsibilities and stuff. But an interesting side note that I found in my research is that Elizabeth of York seems to be the only one in the family that was close to every single one of the siblings. Yeah, like a lot of the kids didn't know Prince Edward that well because he was kind of just raised nowhere near them. So naturally. But yeah, Um. but whenever Edward IV and Elizabeth Woodville would go out on the like state events, they would bring their oldest daughter and the heir And so the two of them got close in a way that no one else got close to Edward, who would be eventually Edward V. I thought that was kind of interesting. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. Thing done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. I'm Helena Bonham Carter, and for BBC Radio 4, this is History's Secret Heroes a new series of rarely heard tales from World War II. They had no idea that she was Britain's top female codebreaker. We'll hear of daring risk-takers. What she was offering to do was to ski in over the high Carpathian mountains. Of course it was dangerous, but uh, danger was his friend. Subscribe to History's Secret Heroes wherever you get your podcasts. 
So unfortunately, Lizzie's sister, Mary, dies, which would have been a really big blow to Lizzie. That was the sister that she lived with and she grew up with. So this would have been like one of those emotional gut punches that you have. Mm -hmm. In April 1483, her life changes completely. Her dad... Mm. Edward IV dies unexpectedly. Like he goes out hunting or fishing or something like that and catches a cold and dies. Everything from here on out in this story of Lizzie's life is turmoil. <laughs> That's an understatement. Um, so her 12-year-old brother is now king as Edward V. And his maternal uncle, Anthony Woodville, and his paternal uncle, Richard, Richard Duke of Gloucester, are appointed to help the young king rule because he's only fucking 12. And as we've discussed many times in this show, when a king is a child, bad things happen. Exactly. So not looking too hot right now. Uh, we're going to skim over this because it really doesn't involve Elizabeth of York. But basically, Richard, Duke of Gloucester, and Uncle Dick is what we're going to call him because it's just easy. Um, Uncle Dick and the new young king have Elizabeth Woodville's brother arrested and executed. He also, Uncle Dick, has Lizzie's older half-brother executed, you know. But it's uh, Elizabeth Woodville's first Mm -hmm. marriage dude named Richard Gray, right? Edward V, he was raised by Anthony Woodville and his older half-brother. He didn't know Uncle Dick. He didn't, he'd met Uncle Dick like at like official events and shit like that. So for Uncle Dick to just like roll in and have these people he'd known his whole life executed, that, that must have been pretty, um, (laughs) a bit of a kerfuffle. A a red flag, if you will. (laughs) This is not good news. Right. But then also this gets back to London to like Lizzie and her family Because Lizzie's now like 17, so she definitely knows what's going on. And it's just like, oh, your uncle just killed your half-brother and your your other uncle. Not good news. What? what, And you think your family has drama. Like, what? (laughs) This is fine. There's flames. This is fine. (laughs) So Uncle Dick then takes the young king, Edward V, to the Tower of London for quote-unquote safekeeping. Super safe. Yeah, super safekeeping <laughs> until his coronation. So this was not something that was normally done. So it raised a couple of eyebrows, if you will. So Elizabeth uses, uh, well, Elizabeth's mom uses her sixth sense, a.k.a. common sense. Common sense. <laughs> and she's like, Molly, you in danger, girl. <laughs> so she gets back to ye old abbey aka westminster abbey and she claimed sanctuary on april 31st 1483 so poor baby elizabeth is in church again again. (laughs) with criminals again with people waiting to kill her father and entire family again everybody's everybody wants you dead uh needless needless to say 
my mom is stressed out at this point. Something that I would like to note between the last time they have been in Sanctuary and this time they're in Sanctuary, Edward IV, so Lizzie's dad, had actually in a battle broken Sanctuary. He was just like, fuck it. I'm getting those guys out and I'm killing them. And he had, he wasn't actually there. So he sent his brother, his brother, Richard III, to go and like physically pull the guys out of Sanctuary. So Sanctuary wasn't quite what it used to be before they entered. Yeah, they didn't get books. They didn't get clothes. They didn't get their own private rooms. They didn't get all that this Sanctuary time. was just a little bit not as respected as it had been like 10 or 11 years prior because of what her dad had done. So needless to say, mom's getting the fuck out and they go back into Sanctuary and good old Uncle Dick ends up pressuring mom to send her baby boy, Richard, to quote unquote, keep her older son company. Liza Minnelli, lies. <laughs> a lot of people say Elizabeth Woodville sent her son to go to the Tower of London into Richard III's care. So she must have not really suspected him of much. But also, they come in guns a blazing. What are you supposed to do? What what choice did she have? She didn't have much of a she choice. She didn't period. have any choice, yeah. So this this stay, like we say in Sanctuary, this stay was different. Um, they didn't get the nice clothes, the comforts, the nice room. Richard saw that they had fled into Sanctuary and he was like, good, why don't you stay there? <laughs> that seems like a great place for you. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he sent guards to Westminster to make sure that they didn't actually like flee or try to sneak out. They were there. For a fucking year. A year. Can you imagine? I mean, yes, because I, I've been in sanctuary. Uh, I've been in uh, quarantine. Sanctuary. <laughs> I've been in sanctuary. But Can we just call this sanctuary? I've been in quarantine <laughs> since March, but at least I get to leave my house to like go on a jog. <laughs> can, yeah, right. I can still go to the grocery store so long as I bring my mask and stay six feet apart. But I can... Uh, yeah, pretty much life for Lizzie at this point isn't great, is what we're getting at. No. She's back in sanctuary. It's not fun. Mm-mm. And like the icing on the fucking cake, her uncle decides to declare that Elizabeth and her siblings are illegitimate. So oh my Richard God. comes up with this story that Edward was married before to someone else, and he had consummated that marriage. So that whenever he married Elizabeth Woodville in secret, that was bigamy. So he had two wives. So though the the children of the second wife, Elizabeth Woodville, were bastards. To research for this book, uh, research for this episode, I read Alison Weir's book on Elizabeth York and TLDR. Um, this is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was a bullshit concept that basically put Richard III as the crowned king of England. And he's like, he's like, who, me? Who, me? <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> you like me. You really like me. <laughs> it's like, no, we don't like you, asshole. Elizabeth York, she's the Lady Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Her mother is Dame gray because her first husband was a knight whose last name was gray Mm -hmm. and like the title for 
women married tonight as dame so you go from queen of elizabeth to dame gray and it's like whoo yeah you were once the future queen of france and now you're lady elizabeth not not good news doesn't gel with me (laughs) yeah and basically what ends up happening is the two sons of Elizabeth Woodville, Edward V, who's the king, technically, mm-hmm. and Richard, baby Richard, they were ended up missing. But really, we all kind of know that they were killed. Um, they got killed. After <laughs> Richard made the proclamation that all of Edward's children with Elizabeth Woodville were now bastards, the princes in the tower edward v and his brother richard were just seen less and less and less until they were not seen at all and popular opinion is richard had them killed and honestly popular opinion right now is probably still richard had them killed which we're not going to dive into our opinions here like we said we're doing a whole other episode on patreon yeah um but edward the fourth was a pretty popular king and a lot of people in England believe that their current king had two of Edward's kids killed in cold blood so they believed that Richard III killed their favorite king's sons so to say that Richard had a complicated relationship with his people would be quite the understatement right he was popular in the north because before the princes died that's like where he ruled as duke in the north but everybody in the south was a little bit like um i don't know her you know what i mean like i i think i think that was a direct quote i don't know her i do have to i do have to wonder like remember how before her brother was born edward named him his heir well now like with her brothers gone she would technically be edward's heir i mean i am just queen elizabeth the first right now and and for her to be queen elizabeth or more are you scared that you're going to be the next one to get killed that too because the other two are mia whoop you're the next heir are you are you gonna get killed it sounds like a scary existence to me right okay so we're gonna introduce some new people into this equation because why not? And their names are not Richard Edward oh, or Elizabeth. Thank Yay! God. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Margaret Beaufort and her son, Henry Tudor. Maybe you've heard of him. So um, Maggie B had a claim to the throne through her dad's line. So her son, Henry Tudor, is living in exile in Brittany, which is modern day France. Yeah, and he's been there for, like, ever, right? <laughs> yeah, he was, like, kind of afraid that if he came back, people might try to kill him. Which, I mean, not a bad assumption. I mean... <laughs> we did maybe just see the murder of a 12 and 9-year-old, so... Yeah, but Margaret Beaufort and Elizabeth Woodville would have known each other for decades, but would have never been friends if you will yeah except in this case we need to change that (laughs) yeah so maggie b sends her doctor to sanctuary where elizabeth woodville is and the doctors were like the only people that uncle dick's guards would let in to see the royal family in sanctuary and the doctor's like look girl i'm sorry miss woodville um you're 
sons are, they be dead. And I wish I had better news. <laughs> I wish I had better news. <laughs> I say you, they be dead. I, I wish say I had you, news. they be dead. <laughs> so, Elizabeth, so Lizzie York, again, witnesses her mother have a complete mental breakdown. Oh my God. In the Allison Weir book, she talks about how just Lizzie, like it made the doctor uncomfortable. Just like how bad Elizabeth Woodville was just like losing her shit. But I mean, uh, duh. Can you fucking blame her? She's lost like three sons, a brother, a husband, her titles, her freedom, just about every fucking thing she has. Right. So Elizabeth Woodville is like losing her shit. And then, of course, Elizabeth York is going to be, like, affected by that. Mm-hmm. She's not five years old this time. She's a grown adult at this point. I mean, I don't know if I would have considered myself a grown adult at 17. But in terms of her, like, being a Cognit- princess, yeah. like, yeah, she's, yeah. She, she would be considered an adult. That, I feel like, from now on, Elizabeth of York has this sense of, I need to do what it takes to survive. Yeah. And at this point, she knows that Margaret Beaufort, Maggie B, is what she has to, her lifeline. Right. So she's like, you know what? Whatever plot you're cooking, I am down with that. Let's hear about it. What you talking about? What you want to do, girl? Mm-hmm. And the doctor's like, well, Margaret Beaufort has a son. And you have a daughter, so if they get married, you see where I'm going with this? Penis and vagina making the world go round in a better, happy place? Yes. Putting the War of the Roses. Putting the red rose into the white rose to make the Tudor rose. There we go. So once again, Lizzie is engaged. Uh, she's never really met Henry Tudor because he's been mm. in exile like his entire life. Yeah. Um, and we have really no evidence of how she felt about this. But what we do know is that she's going to be loyal to her mom's decision and whatever's going to benefit her siblings. Right. So if her mom was like, hey, I want you to marry this guy you don't know, she's going to be like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> also, because whatever, what other prospects does she have? She's in sanctuary. So she wouldn't have been completely ignorant to who Henry Tudor is. He's had, he's a few years older than Lizzie and he's been in exile his damn near his entire life because he's the only surviving, surviving Lancastrian heir. Earlier in Lizzie's life, her dad, King Edward was like, Hey, I just really want to like wrap up this Wars of the Roses. So come back to England from your exile in France and I'll marry you to one of my daughters. He likely didn't mean Lizzie because she was like the big cat. She likely meant one of his younger daughters. So still that means that the family knew. It's not like Henry Tudor was this like- Unknown person. Person you've never heard of. Yeah, it was somebody they at least knew existed and had titles and shit, so- so guess who gets wind of this plot? Uncle Dick. Ugh, fucking uh, Uncle Dick. And he's like, 
Having my nieces locked up in sanctuary might not be a good PR move for me. Mm-mm. So let's rebrand ourselves. It was very bad um, for his so, brand. So Uncle Dick makes this big public statement and he's like, you know, you can find the full text online and feel free to look it up. But the gist of it is, OMG, Elizabeth Woodville, please come out of sanctuary. I feel so bad. If you do, I promise. You and your daughters will be super safe with me. I'll arrange good marriages. We'll provide a dowry. All the good shit. Just OMG, please stop with the sanctuary bullshit. And so they do. They do. They leave sanctuary. Some people cite this as proof. If she actually thought that... Her sons. If she actually thought that Richard III had killed her sons, why would she send her daughters into their court? But also it's like, what what, what else was their future? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, she's basically making this decision under duress, yeah, right. if you will. I mean, she doesn't have- They're surrounded by like forces hanging out their door. They got soldiers and like people on the Thames River, like with making sure, like watching them. What? What is what other exit plan does she have? Yeah, no. so they end up moving out and they go live in a minor royal household. And the daughters are then required to attend all the major events, you know, like Easter, Christmas, just to make sure that this family portrait is fine. We're all happy. People see them all together on the big events. Exactly. Mm-hmm. What do you think Lizzie felt about this? Honestly, I like on one hand, she's like this beautiful princess. She's social. So she obviously wants to get out, go dancing, go flirt with boys, be, you know, your typical 18 year old. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's growing up, she's been used to living in the public eye and being in this dark and gloomy church kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, But also her uncle ruined her entire fucking life. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. How many relatives are dead because of him? <laughs> and so, lots. you know, like, yeah, lots. So when she goes to court, she's no longer this Princess Elizabeth, but she's a lady. So she's obviously has a bitter taste in her mouth. Right. Um, it's bittersweet. Bittersweet, I would say. <laughs> it also may have been like this crazy amount of pressure to like appear at court, but also show this like deference to this new king because if she doesn't people might spark an uprising in her name and i don't think she wants that i don't think she wants. she's also got like the, the secret engagement with a rival king yeah. so that's scandalous in itself <laughs> so i feel like when she comes back to court she is walking the most tricky tightrope and she's tipping on the tightrope. all eyes are on her <laughs> So there was a scandal that following Christmas, um, Uncle Dick's Queen Anne, she's dying and they didn't have like any close living children. And Lizzie shows up for court duties and she's given this beautiful gown that she's supposed to wear on Christmas Day. And then Christmas Day comes around and she had, she and the queen were actually wearing the exact same dress. Scandal. Do you remember in like, I think it was like our, I want to say it was like our junior year or something. It was like three or four girls. 
wore the same dress the prom black and white dress Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. it was totally that it was a fucking scandal they were they they went back to jc penny and were like i want my money back yes um (laughs) this was a bit of a bigger deal yeah (laughs) (laughs) because it was like um tongues are wagging this this bastard this this quote-unquote bastard child is wearing the same dress as the queen who's dying. That is not a good look. It makes me feel (laughs) bad for Queen Anne because she's a bit older and she's like on death's door. And so that's inviting these comparisons of these two women that are dressed in the same dress, one which is 18 and like in the prime of her life and the other which is like this dying woman. It's like... She didn't ask for that comparison. And I don't think Lizzie asked for it either. Oh no. She didn't. She didn't like, come up to she didn't come up to court and be like, bring me the same dress the queen is wearing. No. No, it's almost certain that Uncle Dick dressed them alike to show that the court, you know, how well that he was treating this old daughter of the king. He's treating him like his wife. It's like, but no. <laughs> LOL, I super promise not to kill this one. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But it was this huge national scandal. Yeah, it was like all these rumors got started that Richard planned to marry Lizzie himself once Anne died. To this day, it's still debated. It's a huge debate still, did Richard actually planned to marry his niece or was he just trying to set her up looking pretty in the court? What do you think, Nathan? Do you think he was trying to marry his niece? Um, I think like it's very Agrippina, the younger of him to yes. try to marry a fucking niece. Yeah. Um, I personally don't think that he did uh, because, but I mean, it's Richard, the thir- it's Uncle Dick. I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> On one hand, I have, ew. (laughs) Ew? Yeah, very ew. Though it wasn't completely unheard of of the time. Do you remember in the Isabella Castile episode, she had like that bastard half-sister? Oh, Married the king of Portugal. They Mm. were... Alfonso? Yeah, the Anna Creep. Yeah, yeah, I'm the king of Portugal. Yeah, so he, they were niece and um, uncle. So it wasn't completely unheard of, though I did go through like a complete list of monarchs from England. And I don't think this was ever a done thing in England. It was, mm-hmm. it was very ew. And everybody at the court said ew, and nobody wanted it. But... <laughs> I don't think Richard did anything to combat the rumors because he knew about the secret engagement between Elizabeth York and Henry Tudor. And he wanted to intimidate his forces. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 But also, ew. Yeah. Ew. Ew. (laughs) But regardless if he was actually floating this idea, it was shot down immediately in popular opinion and by his counsel. Mm. So around this time, there's a letter from Lizzie that survives to her uncle, which she calls him, quote unquote, 
my only joy and maker. And it's also like this letter also has some romantic language in it. And like we said, that's just kind of the way people talk that day in letters. Yeah. Um, but some people claim that based on this, she is saying that she would be happy to marry him. But I don't agree. I, I mean, we have no idea what was going in her head right now. She she could have had a million things going in her head right now. I think she was living a very scary life right now. Mm-hmm. If she would have like actually come to her senses and was like telling her truth, I don't think she was writing saying my only joy and maker to her uncle because she wanted to marry him. I think she he was her maker her her destiny was in his hands do you know what i mean like yeah so she's just kind of buttering him up if you will just being nice that's what she's already had one sister her sister cecily who's been married off to like literally some nobody so if she's not buttering him up maybe he's gonna marry her off to some nobody and I think honestly, she'd rather marry him and be or be Queen of England than yeah, yeah. Because what is she supposed to be like, dear Uncle Dick? Fucketh you? <laughs> yeah, I think that would go over real well, <laughs> right? <laughs> so after Queen Anne died in March of 1485, Richard decides to send Lizzie away to stop all this gossip. So, um, side note, when uh, Queen Anne died, there was like this full solar eclipse. So you bet your fucking ass all the superstitious people were like, okay, this is a bad omen. <laughs> I am not one of those people that completely cons- consigned to this image of Shakespeare's Richard III, where he is just this diabolical no. villain. I think he was a complicated person, just like any other person in history. But if you were living back in the time when people did not understand science and someone that you thought might be evil, his wife dies and the sun is covered by the moon. Not <laughs> Wouldn't good. you also be like, hmm. Yeah. So they get the beautiful Lizzie out of the fucking town and she goes to a palace out in the country called Sheriff Hutton where some of her York cousins are living, including the future Margaret Pole, which we're obviously going to cover one day in her episode. One of those cousins was her cousin Edward, uh, the nine-year-old Earl of Warwick, who... Poor baby Edward. Poor baby Edward. Mm. We'll talk about him more next episode, yeah. Yeah. And Richard gets to negotiating a marriage for her at this time, Lizzie, because... His and her reputation would be better once it's arranged. The negotiation was that Richard was going to marry one of the princesses of Portugal and Lizzie was going to marry a very minor prince of Portugal. But because like all these people in the Portuguese family die, that guy ends up becoming king. So Mm. I'm actually happy she didn't end up marrying him. Spoiler alert. Because like since she was (laughs) technically a bastard... I wonder if things had gone completely differently if she would have ended up being put aside when he became king. But guess what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because <laughs> those, those negotiations go down the fucking toilet. Yeah. Um, because remember that dude named Henry Tudor that we mentioned earlier? Sounds familiar. Henry Tudor and his army have entered the chat. And <laughs> by that, 
I mean England. (laughs) (laughs) That was cute. So in in August that year, Henry Tudor, um, her secret fiance that she's never met by the way, um, he lands in England and Elizabeth knows there's going to be battles and she knows that the outcome of this could completely fucking change her life. So in a time when news travels, in a time when news travels very, very slowly, I have to imagine that this must have been like torture I mean, for her. Yeah, I feel like everybody listening has probably had times when they're biting their nails, waiting for an email to come through. Can you imagine biting your nails, waiting for a fucking carrier pigeon (laughs) yeah right (laughs) because it's like if one side wins you're the fucking queen of england and you make your mother happy and it's all good news you like can make sure your sisters are taken care of and make sure your family is where they are but if the other side wins you move to portugal and you never see your fucking family again so we know how lizzie would have felt she would have wanted to see her we have to assume again this is all under the assumption that she believed that her uncle killed her brothers and da 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 but i happen to believe that she was rooting for henry tudor what do you think, Nathan? Oh, yeah. I think, so she, I think she's absolutely rooting for Henry Tudor instead of marrying her uncle. <laughs> Not marrying her uncle, but going to Portugal yeah. because of the behest of her evil uncle. No, I don't I don't think she wanted any part of that Portugal plan. Totally. <laughs> so about a week later, the battle comes to a head. It's called the Battle of Bosworth. We're not going to dive into it because Lizzie wasn't there. However... I am not even like someone that finds like history of wars and battles very interesting, but the Battle of Bosworth is kind of interesting. So if you want to dive into it, there's plenty of war podcasts where you can find that information. The cliff notes is Richard becomes the last English king to die on the battlefield. Yes. Do you know this line? A horse, a horse, a kingdom for my horse. Might that be William Shakespeare? It absolutely is, because it means that <laughs> the story goes, Richard III was unhorsed, thus the horse that he is looking for, and then he was stabbed, and his crown rolls off, and it like basically rolls into a bush right by Henry, the, Henry Tudor, who then just puts it on, like, doop. This is how this works. It's mine now, bitch. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then Henry the Henry Tudor becomes the last king of England to become king by conquest. So this Yeah, and thank God this is where the thank God it's over. It's over. <laughs> it's over. Yeah, because basically every basically everyone else that's a major player has been killed. So there's really no other choice to go. Except for the nine year old <laughs> uh Earl of Warwick, which sadly we'll get to next time. Yeah, so it's the end of the Plantagenet dynasty in England, which lasted a whopping 330 years. That is a very long dynasty. Mm-hmm. The moment the battle was over. Literally, like literally, Henry Tudor sends two of his dudes to Sheriff Hutton. He's like, you need to go get that princess, bring her here ASAP. And so they roll up the next day. It was a two day journey 
they come up the next day. So they're like riding like hell. They roll up and they're like, hey, your uncle's dead. Pack your bags. You need to go meet your fiance. And according to the contemporary sources, she was like, fuck yeah. (laughs) The direct quote. I mean, it was the best of her two options. Right. So that's where we leave her. So we'll see y'all in a couple of weeks, guys. Cheers, bitches. Cheers, bitches. So thanks for listening. If there's something you want to hear, just like hit us up. You can email us at queenshistorypodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter. We're at queens underscore podcast. We're on SoundCloud and Stitcher. And follow us on iTunes at Queens Podcast. All one word. All smushed up. Queens Podcast. Um, follow us on Facebook. Our intro music is by K Sparks featuring Beyond Belief. Thanks for letting us use your song, guys. Thanks, guys, for listening. Cheers. Bye, girl. Clink, clink. <laughs> Mwah.